Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Folks, do you remember that last week I said the Biden administration... (laughs) Hmm, I tell you what, I crack myself up sometimes, although it's true. The Biden administration had to go one million miles, one million miles from planet Earth to find any good news whatsoever. Remember this? It was the pictures... From the telescope, which again, truly astonishing and remarkable. If you haven't seen those, I've got them on our uh, community.tothuffshow.com. But you can Google them and and find them elsewhere as well. But stunning, truly beautiful. Um, Again, to me, very clear indication that this universe was masterfully created by, uh, by Almighty God. But anyhow... That was last week. This week, (laughs) oh my goodness, this week, the Biden administration, who wanted no blame for the rising cost of gasoline, they want all of the credit for lowering the price of gasoline. I was going to say, you know, it was a million miles to the telescope. I don't know how many miles it is to the delusional fantasy world that this exists in. It doesn't even exist in a real place besides the minds of the radical left. So let's talk about it really quickly. There's other things I want to get to, but this had happened. They've been doing this for some time. In fact, I tweeted this on my Twitter account. When did I tweet this? Oh, bear with me here. What is going on? Tweets are not loading. Here we go. Okay, so I tweeted this out maybe... A week or two ago. Let's see. Where is this? There's a graphic. Keep going. Where is it? Keep it. There it is. This was uh, about 10 days ago, 11 days ago. I took a snapshot of the AAA website. At the time, it was the prices. Prices were as of July 7th. Um, I tweeted it out July 8th, which is what, 11 days ago. And I also retweeted one of these leftists who tweeted, this was the tweet that this John Cooper, I'll occasionally retweet this guy. In fact, we talked about him on this program a little bit. Former National Finance Chair of Draft Biden 2016. Remember, this is the guy who sat around and you know did a lot of introspection, a lot of research, looking at the candidates of the field, potential candidates like Pete Boot, Edge Edge, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, the nutty professor himself. Um, by the way, Bernie's only a Democrat whenever it's a campaign season. So this this Mr. Cooper, John Cooper, sat around and he thought, you know what, we have to draft Biden. It's not even that we have to just, as the Democrat power brokers decided in 20, uh, 2020, when they said, look, we've got to get behind Biden so Bernie doesn't win this. He's the only hope that we've got. It wasn't that. This guy was actually on the team 
that thought of all the people in all the universes that could be president of the United States, I want to go after this guy, Joe Biden. So that tells you a lot about John Cooper here. But he tweeted out last week, there were screaming headlines every time gas prices went up, capital U, capital P. But now that gas prices have gone down, capital D, capital O, capital W, capital N, Oz is looking at me with the not very happy look. 22 days, so they've gone down 22 days in a row. There are crickets from the media. Why is that, he asks. Why is that, he asks. So I tweeted this out, and it stands true to this day. I said it's pretty easy to understand if you really want to understand. John, Mr. Cooper, I didn't address John, but addressing people like John. A year ago, gas was $3.13. Today, this is, again, July the 8th, it's four seventy-five. So, sure, it's down 26 cents from the all-time high of five hundred one about three weeks ago. Again, this was a week or so ago. But it's still up $1.62 in a year. And prices are falling because the economy has slowed. So they want prices, they want credit when the prices come down. And they want no blame when the prices go up. This reminds me of an office. Well, you know that I'm a fan of The Office. I'm a fan of Seinfeld. I love these, short, these sorts, of, so, uh, sorts of shows. But there's an episode where Michael is in trouble for something and has to go and talk to David Wallace, the VP at Dunder Mifflin. And David says something like, Michael, what am I supposed to do about this? And Michael says, well, David, I will be honest. You know, I think it's the, the golden ticket episode. David, I will be honest. I would like all of the credit without any of the, <laughs> any of the blame. Um, <laughs> which, which is what this, this administration is literally a sitcom. It is. It is a sitcom. And it's not even a well-produced sitcom. It is a sitcom that wouldn't even pass. It's such lunacy. It's so far from even being somewhat realistic, the things that are coming out of this administration each and every day, that we wouldn't even believe it. It wouldn't even be funny as a sitcom because it's too far. You know, the whole point of a punchline, right? You, A comedian's telling a joke or setting the setup, right? The setup, and then instead of, instead of, the next part of the conversation or the next part of the dialogue being what you expect, there's a, a change. And that deviation from what you expect creates the laugh. It's the punchline. It's the setup to the punchline. The setup, the punchline, I should say, for this administration is so far, so far removed from what a reasonable person would even think, A, is, is rational, B is even, it, it deviates so far from even the, the guardrails of what makes it funny. It's so far of a deviation from the normal course of events, we don't even know what to do with it. I mean, you know, sometimes we say you have to, to laugh to keep from crying, and that's a pretty good, accurate estimation of what's going on here with this, with this administration. So last week they had to go a million miles into outer space to find good news. This week they had to go even further in a well a distance that is not even calculable to modern man because they are measuring the distance from reality 
to delusion by saying that the White House needs credit for lowering gasoline prices. And how did they lower prices, by the way? (laughs) They lowered prices because, again, if you follow the logic here and what they're arguing, they lowered the prices by releasing gasoline from the strategic reserves, stuff that was supposed to be there for an emergency, stuff that was supposed to be there if we went to war again with someone like Iran and we couldn't get virtually any oil. It's there for some extreme circumstances. None of that exists today. It's all manufactured. It's all manufactured. Not, I mean, there, there are realities that we have to live with with OPEC, but folks, by... <laughs> By admitting that the price was impacted in such a way that it would come down, by admitting that, the administration has admitted to you that it is a supply crisis. They've admitted it. And who stands in the way of delivering American oil to the consumer, well, to the American consumer, to the consumer around the world. Who's out there like Pete Boot Edge Edge is out there telling people to not worry about the price of gasoline and buy a new electric car. You talk about out of touch. You talk about a sort of comment that has no place again. It's not even funny it's so far from what a punchline would be considered. It's it's too far. It's too far outside the realm of even somewhat reasonable to where the audience that listens to that cannot even laugh because they don't know what to do with such insane and ridiculous statements. So again, the White House wants credit for driving down the price of oil, but they want none of the blame. How does this even work? How, what, in what universe? You cannot have it both ways. Cannot have it both ways. But of course, when you have a complicit media and when you have a large swath of the American people that Rush Limbaugh would ever so affectionately refer to as the low-information voter, they can get away with some of these things. Anyway, I wanted to start there. But I really want to spend time today today talking about this, uh, this shooting in Greenwood, Greenwood, Indiana, just outside of the south of Indianapolis. That happened on Sunday at the Greenwood, uh, Greenwood Mall. So I, in particular, want to talk about some of these, well, I'm, I'm considering them lunatic series of tweets by so-called journalists. So we're going to talk about journalism. We're going to talk about this, these crazy, idiotic tweets in the wake of the, the mall shooting, which is tragic. Look, I know I am very aware that there are people listening to my voice that were directly impacted by this evil atrocity that was committed by a lunatic, maniacal madman. I am well aware of this. It is sad. It is awful. It is unconscionable. It is evil. And it is very, very sad. So I, you know my typical response to these things. I like to at least wait a bit for the initial um, shock and sadness and all that, all that negative emotion to, to kind of, um, you know, you don't want to start talking about 
the politics of something. But the, the left, the left immediately, I mean, they read the headline from the New York Times or wherever, and they're tweeting these stupid, stupid things. And on top of this, they call themselves a journalist. Folks, if you know, let me, let me just give you a rule. This, I would maintain, is a hard and fast rule. If you know the individual's personal opinion about a news story or a narrative, they are not a journalist. Let me say it again. If you know the opinion of someone in the media regarding any issue that they're so-called reporting on, whether it's, I don't care if it's taxes, a particular uh, president, former president, January 6th, um, Russian collusion, whether it's the 2020 election, the big lie, whatever, whatever these headlines, narratives, stories, whatever. If you know what they think about the issue, they are not a journalist. This, this should go without saying. This should go without saying, but that is the definition of a journalist is someone who presents as best as they can as a flawed human being who obviously has biases and, you know, just imperfections, but as objectively as possible, present the story. And we say both sides, but it could be multiple sides. I mean, there, there could be multiple sides to a story. Just present information and then talk to people who have certain opinions about the information and present them. Don't insert yourself into the story. Don't try to have a certain outcome, right? Don't desire that people have a certain opinion about the news you're talking about. If you have those things, that's fine, but you're not a journalist. It's why I say on this program, I am not a journalist. I have people say to me things about journal, I, that I'm a journalist, that they... Uh, come to me for information, and that's that's fine. I want to give you information. In fact, the truth be told, even though I have opinions on these things, I think my approach is a lot fairer than these jokers' approach because what they want to do, they want to say their opinion in such a way that, that you believe their opinion is simply a reporting of fact. When I tell you my opinion, I say to you, I am biased. This is what I think. Now, I think I'm fair-minded, but I come at this from someone who is a principled constitutional conservative. I come at this from a perspective of being a conservative Christian. I come at this from a perspective that believes that not all worldviews are equivalent, that are, they're equally good. I believe in right and wrong. I believe in good and evil. I believe that we have a creator. I believe go through a whole list of things and those things those things shape how i look at look at things but these so-called journalists they report these things as though too many people too many people look at this and think that it's just a reporting of information when these these things are a i mean borderline maniacal b they're not fitting for someone who's a journalist to be out there talking about. If you don't want to be a journalist, don't sign up for journalism. If you want to be a an editorialist or someone who is a commentator, like yours truly behind the microphone here, then go do it. Go start your show. Problem is, a lot of people wouldn't listen to this stuff because it's absolutely asinine. 
and I've got to take a break. So I want to talk about this. I want people to know that as we talk about the issue, that there are people, there are people, anytime we talk about this that are impacted by these evils, it's, it's sad in general, but there's also, you know, in this case in particular, since this station, that one of our, you know, our, our, our flagship station is in Indianapolis. It's actually in Franklin, which is just south of Greenwood. So this is, I know there are people hearing my voice directly impacted by this. And so I want people to know that this is, this is sad. Uh, this is, you know, I know it hits people personally in this, in this community. And I think exercising empathy and understanding is important. I also understand and believe that addressing the nonsense and standing up for truth and arguing against bad ideas is very important as well. So I want to do that today, but not without recognizing that there was tremendous loss suffered in this community because of the evil decisions and actions taken by a maniacal madman whose name will not be uttered on this program. Quick time out is necessary, my friends. When we get back, we'll talk about these and other things. So sit tight. Listen to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Folks, I am reading these tweets from this guy named David, I think it's Levitt, L-E-A-V-I-T-T. This guy is allegedly, allegedly a an award-winning multimedia journalist. Remember what I said last segment. A journal if you know what a journalist thinks, they're not a journalist. David Levitt, you my friend are not a journalist. I don't even know that you're sane if I'm being 100% honest. But it says it says here he's an award-winning multimedia journalist. It says here that his bylines and this is perfect actually. That this this these are some of the places he's written. Which again, so think about it like this: If people think if if these media sources think David Levitt is a journalist, they are mistaken. And so, if to connect the dots here, if David Levitt is not a journalist and is a um, an operative, as I would maintain, and I think after I read some of these tweets, I believe you would agree with this as well. If David Levitt is an operative of the Democrat Party, actually of the radical left, who of course has taken over today's Democrat Party, then it stands to reason that these places that hire fake journalists would be fake news, does it not? So Trump, this is actually crediting Trump for saying some of these places are fake news. And this is his bylines, the people who think that this is journalistic work, CBS, AXS, Yahoo, Examiner, etc. Doesn't even, I don't know who etc. would include, I'm not going to do that much of uh, digging on this guy because I have. Look, he can have his opinions. I don't. He can. He can have his opinions, but do not tell me that you are a journalist when your tweet. Just listen to these tweets. Here now. This, of course, again in the wake of the shooting at Greenwood Park Mall over the weekend on Sunday, which again. Sympathies, condolences to those in this audience who were affected by this. So I'm just trying to get to the the information while also knowing that this is very raw for a lot of people. 
This is what he says. Another mass shooting, this time at the Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana. Yet guns have more protections than a women's, he says women's, than a women's. That may be correct in today's vernacular. I don't know. Um, Since a single person can be they, why can't a single woman be a woman? But anyway, than a women's right over her own body. That is intentionally inflammatory, and that is factually wrong. When you per- this guy clearly has never purchased a gun because if he purchased a gun, he would know that there are regulations and things that happen regarding guns that never happen regarding a woman's own body. She doesn't have to file a permit, you know, and have a background check to exist or to go on a date or whatever. This is stupid. The stupidity of this tweet doesn't even really warrant a response. I'm just sharing it because, remember, again, David Levitt, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, if I'm not, not intentional, um, but he's a so-called journalist, award-winning journalist, which even makes this richer for me. He continues here just a couple of weeks ago. This is all one thread, one thread from David Levitt. Just a couple of weeks ago on June 24th, 2022, 193 Republicans voted against preventing mass shootings. (sighs) Like the one that just happened today in, or at, he didn't say that, Greenwood Park Mall in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's actually in Greenwood, but that's okay. You don't know that because you're not from here. Every single one of them, referring to Republicans, must be removed from office. Every single one. So is he implying by this tweet that... The gun legislation that was voted on in the House of Representatives recently is is it his contention that if Republicans would have voted for that, that the shooting Sunday would not have happened. Do you realize how outrageous, ridiculous, stupid, deliberately misleading that is in and of itself? I just, I, there's more thoughts and prayers. He writes, won't bring the people murdered today at the Greenwood Park Mall mass shooting back to life. Nor will it do anything to help their loved ones. This is what he writes. There have been 193 days in 2022. Today's mass shooting at Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana is the 347th mass shooting in America this year. That's 347 too many. Again. Presumably, the thing he tweets about two previous tweets, um, two tweets earlier, I should say, seems to suggest that he thinks that all of this violence would be stopped if Republicans had voted for um, legislation, legislation that was passed in the in the House. I mean, why, why didn't it stop it already? I mean, this is. The House and the Senate just went through and passed these these bills, right? So now, why didn't they work? But see, th- this is this is the danger, my friends. The left has the position that they they want to pass as much regulation control. All these, I mean, for for a myriad of reasons, they like control. They want people to look to government to solve all their problems, and inevitably, when it does not. Because it cannot, it cannot stop this. 
In fact, I would contend that some of the delusional things we have culturally, which can be traced back to some degree in some instances to some of the lunacy we hear coming out of governmental organizations, governments, it, it's not, these things are not healthy for a culture and a society. I mean, in certain circles, we've had cities and states, and to some degree we have an entire federal government, a bureaucratic state that's abandoned the concept of truth and reality, and we act as though there's no consequence for this. Now, again, I'm not saying that that is in and of itself responsible for a shooting. I'm simply saying that if you attack a culture's understanding of morality, or if you tell a culture that nothing is right or wrong, there is no good or evil, there is no, you know, it's your truth and his truth and her truth and everything else, and it's just whatever we want and desire, and there's no objective way to measure anyone's morality or have any sort of uh, meaningful discussion upon absolutes, and you run from that, and you say you can't define a woman, and you don't like when people talk in terms of absolute truth, and you're not comfortable with the language and all this sort of stuff. You can't tell me that that mentality does not impact certain, well, culture at large, but also certain individuals to, I mean, to buy into the the crap. And then there is... uh, They've abandoned this idea that there is that there is a a good life, and that these that these actions, the these uh, the things that we see being pushed down our throats in, in culture, are antithetical antithetical to the good life and to truth. Can't tell me there's that that isn't at play here. He thinks that legislation is somehow going to fix. All of this somehow doesn't think thoughts and prayers will help anyone um, who's undergoing loss. There are certainly people that would agree with that, but I know people that would say thoughts and prayers have carried them through great loss. So he might want to be careful for speaking to people in those situations. He continues here. I'm going to take a break in a second, but he says, uh, where is it here? Many people are posting about the, good guy with a gun that shot the shooter at Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana, but if nobody had guns, if nobody had guns, there wouldn't have been 347 mass shootings this year, nor would there have been 700-plus child gun suicides each year. Well, what would they have been, Mr. Levitt? Would we, would we have had zero? Would the people who decided to use weapons in mass shootings, which, of course, this number is... is uh, the, Well, we're not going to talk about the number other than to say the way that he has calculated this number is not the way that most people would go about calculating this number. But even so, even so, is it his contention? I mean, I I saw a video, and you did too, last Christmas of of a man running over, running through a crowd of people with his car. I mean, would would those numbers have increased? Is it only... Are we only going to have acts of violence if people have access to an AR-15, which I think he might, I don't know if he directly um, badmouths an AR-15 in this particular series of tweets, but I'm sure he has a misunderstanding of what it is. The anti-gun, godless radical left has no idea what an I mean, they, they can't even, they just, 
They can't even define what an AR-15 is. They use terms like assault weapon or automatic weapon. Assault rifle, I should say. They think AR stands for that. It does not. And then he goes on to call. He calls the good guy with a gun, literally. He says he's not a good Samaritan. What's he say? He calls him an armed vigilante. That's what he calls him, an armed vigilante. So the law that David Levitt thinks here should be should have stopped the shooting, which didn't. David Le- uh, Levitt was you know, happy the law was passed. The law that existed when this guy was shooting people, but yet he's upset at the guy who shot and killed. Thankfully, I'm not. I'm glad that he did it. He saved lives. What is wrong with people? My goodness. It reminds me, I got to take a break, but it reminds me of a professor I had in college. I'm going to share with you after the break one of the things he said. But this this line of tweets, I retweeted it. It, or I, I t- actually I'll retweet it so you can. It'll be at the you know near the top of my Twitter free feed. Um, anyway, if you want to read them, and I might touch on some more, but it reminds me of some of the stupidity I heard from a professor that uh, was one of my well, one of my professors at Butler University years ago. Something he he said that he thinks is noble, which is beyond my understanding. But timeouts in order, my friend. Sit tight. Back in just a minute. <laughs> There's a group of people who believe, and they're and they're leftists, and I don't know what it is exactly, but there is something that prevents some uh, some people from understanding the difference between the theoretical and the practical, and there are some people who simply think that if a, a government signs a piece of paper. Like think, take this David Levitt, for example, who's an alleged journalist. Of course, we know better than that. He's a radical leftist operative who's found a home in journalism because that's what passes as journalism today. But <clears throat> there, there are people who think, think about this. Let this sink in. The law that was passed through Congress about guns, right, the gun law, it was passed in Congress, what, June 24th. He was talking about it in this line of tweets that I that I read, it was signed by the president. He thinks, he actually thinks that what was on that sheet of paper would have done more to stop the shooter, in this particular case, at the Greenwood Park Mall than a guy at the Greenwood Park Mall who had a weapon and apparently the training to know how to use it to stop the shooter. I just, imagine thinking that. Imagine thinking that that is reality. That is not reality at all. That's not even any, that has no semblance to reality. It's also why in the past when you would have heard um, heard me talk about the Iran nuclear deal or Clinton's deal with the North Koreans on not having any nuclear weapons. It's why the media and the left love this stuff. It's a signed sheet of paper, and I used to say a signed sheet of paper and a pinky promise. Oh, the media loves it. They lap it up. Sign that sheet of paper, have a pinky promise, have some fancy ceremony, hold hands, stand up in front of cheering crowds, oh, world peace and all this stuff. 
boggles the mind of people who live in reality. Because what do we have? We got a North Korea that's lobbing missiles all over the place whenever they feel like it. We have an Iran who is very close to, if not already at the point of having nuclear weapons, who's basically vowed to, to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. But they've signed the papers. They made the pinky promises. They had all the accolades. We sat here and praised those deals because it sounded so good. But my friends, it does not have any bearing on reality. And these evildoers in places like Iran and North Korea, these leaders, not the people, the leaders of these countries, they have to sit there and think, what a bunch of dopes. What a bunch of fools who actually believe that this piece of paper means a diddly darn thing. And they have to sit there and scratch their heads and think, how can a group of people who supposedly have more information, more history, more stuff you know, at their fingertips through Google or whatever else, how can they be so naive? How can they be so naive? The person who shot the shooter at Greenwood Park Mall is not, as David Levitt says, some sort of a vigilante. This is a person that stepped in to actually, and he, of course he means vigilante in some great negative, negative sense. The person's not a good Samaritan. Of course, I guess it depends upon who you ask, right? I mean, remember the story of the good Samaritan is someone who was beaten up and left in a ditch basically for dead which I think you could certainly make the comparison to the people who were unarmed, unable to defend themselves, getting shot at by a lunatic, by an evildoer. I think, here he is, he's tweeting, he tweeted, Republicans don't understand the meaning of Good Samaritan. I'd love to talk about that with you, David Lovett. But anyway, the self-righteousness, <laughs> the, the inability to separate the theoretical from the practical, understanding human nature, it is, it's lost on some people. It's absolutely lost on some people. This guy's gone off the rails. I've got to take a break, my friend. Sit tight. Listen to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Friends, I told you I was going to tell you a story about a professor I have. I, I had at Butler when I went there 150 years ago, but I, um, I won't name it. It was a him, a he. That, of course, opens up a whole can of worms. It was a male professor. So I – he told our class because we he was – he said he was a complete pacifist. And he said that – one of the students asked him, one of my classmates. It was not me. It was not me. I didn't ask him this. He said when asked, what would you do if you came home and your wife was being assaulted, attacked – um, no, what would you do? And he literally, I kid you not, I kid you not, he told the class he would talk to, he would talk to and reason with the person committing the assault, the violence. Sit there and reason with him. Just talk it out. Talk it out. My friends, if a person is not – so there's a difference between someone who uses violence proactively to get his or her way or whatever versus someone who uses 
violence in response to a violent act committed against them or someone else that they're trying to protect. And I maintain without any hesitation or doubt in my mind that there is absolutely unequivocally, if you want to stand on the moral high ground, which that's not why, it's, it's interesting. The people who are focused on making sure they occupy the moral high ground because of appearances or whatever else, they're too busy pontificating about whether or not um, they would engage in something because of some intellectual, moral, whatever, opposition to it. They, if you're not prepared to use force to protect people from really bad things, then I would maintain that you are not the one that has any moral high ground. Because my friends, there is absolutely a time and place to not proactively go around busting heads. That's not what I'm saying. But if a crime is being committed and someone is being assaulted, a child, I mean, the situation of the shooting at, at the mall in Indianapolis or wherever else, by the way, that violence to stop someone from committing mayhem, violence, evil, death, carnage, havoc, absolutely. I, the idea that it is more moral to sit there and what, to try to reason and logic with someone, to, to, to reason with or to use logic with someone, it is beyond preposterous. And someone who's out there saying, and look, I have respect for some, you know, some genuinely true pacifists, not people who simply want to look special or very intellectual and so brilliant and profound that they deserve our praise and claps for you know, opposing something that is uh, you know, any sort of violence. But there are people who genuinely are pacifists, and I, I mean, I don't disrespect them. There's some, there's some Christian people who have that. I don't see it that way at all. I think, I think that if you aren't prepared to protect your family and for those that can't defend themselves when it's right in front of your face, I think that that, if you're not prepared to do that, then there is no moral high ground to be had whatsoever. And this, in particular, this David Levitt, so-called journalist, has literally no moral high ground whatsoever. I've got to take a break back in just a minute. about all the time that we have today. But, you know, there are, of course, plenty of um, plenty of examples. In fact, there's others I didn't get to as well. Um, plenty of examples of, of some really, really bad and inappropriate takes. Of course, we can have discussions about these very important issues. Um, it's interesting when they happen from a so-called journalist... We're not supposed to know what they think about an issue, but that's another discussion altogether. I am out of time for the day, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. See you tomorrow. SDG.